Welcome to the Pure Desire Podcast, where we partner with you to bring hope and freedom on your journey to purity. Hey guys, this is Dr. Ted Roberts. I hope you'll join me on September the 15th at Good Shepherd Community Church for a Pure Desire Men's Conference, a time where you can pursue a life of integrity, strength, and leave a legacy of real significance. Learn to really kick the enemy's tail. To register, go to puredesire.org forward slash events. Enjoy the podcast. Hey there, I'm your host, Trevor Windsor, and we're so thankful you're taking time out of your day to hang out with us. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Nick Stumbo. It's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. What if someone's listening and it's raining? Well, it's going to be. That's why it says it's going to be. Oh. It's not a promise that it is. It's going to be. So do you believe weathermen when they tell you that it's going to rain or it's either going to be sunny on any certain day? Uh, not in Oregon. Got I it. don't believe them ever. Okay. All right. Well, we could continue this weather conversation, but we're going to move forward. It's gripping. Back with us today is the man who is known as Father Flanagan, Mr. Harry Flanagan. Harry is a pastoral sex addiction professional, and he is one of our clinicians on staff here. We're glad to have you back, Harry. Glad to be here. I'm excited to be here. Very good. We're excited to have you. So today's episode is all about creating healthy guardrails. So creating healthy and sustainable guardrails is really an important step in the recovery process from sexual addiction. Uh, So for those of you familiar with our three circles tool or relapse prevention tool, this will be focused on the middle circle. Uh, So we'll have a copy of that in the show notes for you to follow along to if you'd like. And really, we all should create and use healthy guardrails in our lives. And we hope that today's conversation will help bring some clarity to creating those guardrails as well as give some practical tips on on how to implement them. So with that, Harry, let's just start with this. What exactly do we mean when we call something a guardrail? Well, in the materials, Ted makes a clear distinction between the guardrails and the tripwires. Um, I actually define those tripwires as a rumble strip. Uh, a rumble <laughs> strip. Got it. Rumble strip. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, so listen. When when we are in the midst of um, the the second circle, it, it's where we experience our triggers. Those triggers are the are uh, the trip wires or the rumble strips. Those are the ones that tell us that something's wrong. I'm, I'm heading towards a relapse if I don't make some corrective action. And in the process of doing that, we have to understand the nature of the, of the outer circle where we want people to live. You can't talk about tripwires and guidelines if you don't first deal with the outer circle. Which is sexual health, right? That's what the outer circle is, 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 is health, emotional, spiritual, sexual yeah, I would even I, I would even go beyond that, Trevor, to say this is this is where healthy living takes place. Period. Got it. You know that you're dealing with uh, emotional self care, spiritual self care, physical self care, mm-hmm. social self care, and intellectual stimulation. That's where all of that's taking place, okay. and that's where we want to live our lives. So when you hit a rumble strip that says I'm going off, I'm heading off course, you have to course correct. Well, the course correction is going to lead you back to green the green behaviors of the outer circle. Got it. Does that make? I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how? Do, so guardrails. How do they play out in that? Well, the 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 guardrails are. You and I could come up with a great list of behaviors that should be in the green list for everybody. The problem is if I don't have buy in. 
emotionally to those behaviors. Mm-hmm. Either I've either they're pleasurable to me or I find them valuable. If I don't have that, I won't go there. And that's why so many people end up in relapse. Mm-hmm. So it's it's an important part of this healing process to be able to 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 establish what are so let's say your one of your tripwires is um, confrontation. You had a confrontation with your spouse. When that confrontation takes place, um, if I don't if I don't have a plan in place right. that's going to take me back towards the healthy behaviors, mm-hmm. I'm going to end up in the red zone uh, in, in those behaviors I want to abstain from. Yeah. So you have to create a specific plan related to that specific trigger. Right. So, so confrontation might be me doing some deep breathing exercises, uh, calling up my accountability partners, uh, establishing a conversation with my wife to work through the conflict that we had. Sure. Those kind of things need to be in place. Because really, for me, it's always seemed like a boundary, but boundary tends to be a word that not a lot of people like, uh, that feels restricting, but a guardrail, that visual, I can get behind that visual. The idea of I'm putting stuff um, around the area that I know is bad for me and could hurt me. And so a guardrail, I'm really being proactive in protecting myself from allowing myself to go off the, the edge, really. Yeah, and I like that metaphor because if you think about the highway system, there are guardrails all over the place, and they're not over the cliff where the danger is. They're right up on the highway, which if they weren't there, you know, you could pull right over the edge. You could get a better view of canyons yeah. and cliffs, and and it might feel like, oh, why is this annoying guardrail in place? But it's also what keeps you from going over the cliff <laughs> right? so that you run into it first. And that's when I think of guardrails. What we're trying to create is a place where you start to feel pain before you're over the cliff. And just like you were saying, Harry, there are, like in the green circle, that healthy living, there are some things that are in common for all of us, but you need to have some specific ones that you've bought into. And the same is true of guardrails. There are are many that a group could say, pretty much everyone, that's a healthy guardrail. But if you don't have some very specific to you, it's not going to work very well. You've got to really link it, as Harry was saying, uh, to your specific triggers. Yeah, that's good. So, Harry, on this healing journey, talk a little bit more about why guardrails are so important. Maybe someone's listening, they're like, oh, come on, you know, so long as I avoid the bad stuff, why do I need all these extra steps or, or guardrails in my life? So how would you maybe encourage someone who feels that way? Well, you've already used the word, Nick, uh, it's boundaries. Uh, and boundaries, uh, uh, there's two kinds of boundaries. Uh, there is relational boundaries, uh, how you're going to choose to interact or not interact with certain people. And then there are internal boundaries. Boundaries are not legislated. That's what r- rules come from legislation. Boundaries are uh, what I have in place that acknowledges the fact that the person I'm talking with has or 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 the situation I'm in, uh, all all options are on the table. Uh, I can't force anybody to do any any behavior, but I have boundaries in place as to where I'll go and not go. This has to do with you establishing what are your values, what values do you use to determine how to move forward in life. What for for me, for example, when I'm in a counseling appointment, one of my values is being a grace filled truth teller. Because I've seen people use truth as a machete, hmm. and, and as painful is 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 wounding. Yeah. So so truth by itself, I thought can't be in the counseling office. It's got to be truth tied to grace. 
So, so that's a value that I have. Yeah. When I'm uh, with someone who is really hurting, the value I use to to care for that relationship might be empathy. You know, being able to be compassionate to the struggle mm-hmm. that they're in, and I have boundaries that the boundaries allow me to continue to live based on what my values are. The problem is that most of us, when we start coming into the healing process, we could generally throw off some names of things that we value, but we really haven't made the determination, these are the values I want to live by. Yeah. You know, as you're saying that, though, too, I think of the other side that... Because in my mind, I think of it really like the the lines and the lanes that are on the street, and that those aren't just put in place for your safety; they're also put in place for other people's safety. Yes. And so, the idea of of guardrails or boundaries, or, or, or really these these practices that you're putting in place, are not only for your benefit, but also so that you don't hurt other people around you. So yeah. it's protecting relationships, it's protecting those people, and and really their hearts, because. You know, one of the, I think the biggest lies that we are told today is that our life is all about just me. That's it. My life is about me, but it's not. My life affects my decision. My words affect other people around me. Absolutely. And and, and that's why many, many highways now actually have rumble strips down the middle to let you know when you're crossing the lane. They know what they're doing. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, when I think of how important guardrails are, the phrase that comes to mind is it's doing things that I may not want to do so that I get to do the things I most want to do. Hmm. So for an example, a guardrail in my life is not to be on any device or screen when everyone else is in bed. Now that sometimes that's hard. It's like, boy, it'd be really convenient just to check out baseball scores or watch TV. But I know that's could create danger in my life. Mm-hmm. And what I most want to do is have a healthy, fulfilling relationship with my wife. And so I've made some choices about things that, boy, they're not great but it ensures that I get to do what I most want to do. And so for a lot of people, guardrails are just making some value decisions of what is worth protecting in my life and making sure I'm available for those things and denying myself other things that could get me in trouble. So let's press into the idea of implementing a guardrail or or really let's just ask this question. What makes a guardrail a healthy guardrail and what makes one that is potentially unhealthy? Uh, an unhealthy guardrail is uh, when we move into the realm of black and white thinking. Mm-hmm. You know that that we uh, this is where we end up being really critical of ourselves for failing. You know, uh, we in Matthew twenty-two verses thirty-seven through forty, Jesus gives the the two great commandments: "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength." And the second is like it: "You shall love your neighbor as yourself." I don't think we're really good at the second commandment. Mm-hmm. You know, the, we we don't know how. Sometimes it's reversed. I don't know how to love myself like I love my neighbors. Yeah, you know, we we have to be able to give what what I call common humanity that we are giving uh, the same value to our lives as we do to other people's lives mm-hmm. and the, and their their journey. And so you're learning how to establish. Um, uh, boundaries has to do with how you can flourish and how the people around you yeah, can flourish. That's good. It's not about restrictions. Nick, Nick, in your comments earlier, really hit it on the head. It's this is about how where I can really most flourish in my life, given my personality and my particular relationship with God. Hmm. I think that was a good point, Harry, about black and white thinking. What came to mind for me was um, legalism. How yes. if a boundary is or a guardrail 
is just a legalistic thing. And what that means is I'm finding my sense of value or self-worth because of what I do or don't do versus the relationships I have in my true identity in Christ. And so if, if we're becoming legalistic about, you know, I, I never watch, um, I, I can't, I'm, now I'm not thinking of a good example, but, you know, if it just becomes a legalism where now I feel good about myself simply because of what I don't do, then I'm, I'm kind of turning the guardrail into something it isn't. And I just, I think that's a valuable reminder. Oh, I, you know, this is, this is really important. One of, the, one of the triggers that most of us are not always aware of is, is, is shame. And one of the ways we compensate when we're feeling shame is finding fault with other people, kind of leveling the playing field. Sure. And, and so uh, it, that, that's a destructive coping behavior. Anything that is not mutually beneficial to you and, and beneficial to the significant people that you love it becomes a destructive or unhealthy, mm-hmm. uh, uh, not not just guardrail, it becomes a destructive way of entering into any mm-hmm. relationship. You know, as I was thinking through this question, I think the thing that really is the determiner for me is, is it pushing me into community or is it pushing me into isolation? Because I think that there are some guardrails that people would look at and say, yeah, that makes sense. That might be helpful or, or healthy, but really what it's doing is it's just pushing me to avoid people or situations or community. And, and really it's just a way, and and maybe that's, you know, kind of getting to the whole black and white thing is I have to be super, super serious about this. And there's no leeway. There's no grace here. It's just, this is the way it's got to be. And that can really cause me to just isolate. And so I'm, I'm, I'm learning that, uh, that it's got to be something that pushes me into community and pushes me towards relationship with other people. Yeah, and, And now you're talking about the outer circle. With, with this in in our relapse prevention plan because we the biblical concept that's present is community mm-hmm. you know we we have to learn how to be members one of another uh, uh, the Old Testament prophet who was was talking to a woman said we're going to give you we're going to give you everything you know how can I help you I really want to help you because you've been a blessing to us and she says, I don't need anything. I'm a member of my community. Hmm. She she didn't need anything because she learned to rely on the community. Right. What happens in our pure desire small groups is men are learning how to have actually have each other's back and to care about what's happening and it's breaking the pattern of isolation. That is a key part of the healing. Even in the counseling office, I see a lot of the great work that happens is happening in our small groups, not just in the one-on-one counseling. Well, and that also will happen in women's groups as well. Even on the betrayal side, having that safe place and and that atmosphere to really be open and to share uh, it's it's really powerful. Yes, absolutely. We all need to learn how to live in community. Yeah, yeah. This is this is so good, you guys. So we're talking a lot about the guardrails and kind of the big picture, but let's dive in a little deeper now and get into some of the nitty gritty of how does this work. So, um, Harry, what should the process of creating guardrails look like? How could someone go about creating guardrails for themselves? I, you know, Nick, I can make this available if we want to have this online, but I've got a list of probably 60, 70 values 
that I give to my to to the people I, I counsel with, so that they can go through and say, here are the ten most important values in my life, and it's based on those values I have them create their guardrails, mm-hmm. and and then I'm also making sure that they're making a list of what are the things that trip me up, what are the things that trigger me to want to go to those behaviors that I want to uh, dismiss from my life. Yeah. You know, two things uh, that I think of is really including other people. I think it's really Mm -hmm. important. Making these decisions by yourself and in isolation uh, usually doesn't work out. And I speak very directly from my personal experience. When I implement things without including others in, uh, I am very, very good at talking myself out of using those things. I'm very persuasive when I want to be to myself. But then also... Um, is doing it at a time where crisis isn't happening. Uh, you know, Nick, I've heard you talk a lot about this at our events, the idea of, you know, you don't fix the sail when you're in the middle of the storm. You need to fix it when it's when we're at calm seas. You know, mm-hmm. it needs to be something that's done um, in time where there isn't a lot of relational tension or there isn't crisis happening or there aren't any legal stuff going on. It's got to be at times when you can really be intentional and focus and you're not just emotionally responding to your situation. It's not about just avoiding the un, the unhealthy, destructive uh, addictions or coping behaviors. It, it, 25 years ago, I came to TED in, in a place of brokenness and started my healing process because of my addictions. Today, I have three meetings a week with the significant people of my life where I have accountability. And uh, I will tell you, those are the most important meetings of, of mm-hmm. my week. Not just because I'm being accountable uh, to, to not go back into addictions, but because of the value of the depth of those relationships. They enrich my life. You, when we stay in touch with our community, it's not just to avoid the addictions. It is to build a community where we're looking for win-win situ- situations. I it, it, There's going to be seasons in my relationship with you, Trevor, or you, Nick, where I am uh, going to be on the receiving end of what you have to offer me because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in a place of neediness because we all have needs. Sure. And there's going to be times where I get to be the one on the other end of the line and be giving to you as you have need. That's mutuality that's important in any healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, and one other aspect I think of when it comes to creating the guardrails and how do you go about that is making sure to connect it to your arousal template. And if you've never worked with that tool, it's a really important one uh, because it's really helping you identify what your specific triggers are. Just like you've been talking about, Harry, what are those rumble strips in your life that start to make you realize, oh, something's up here, and then creating guardrails specifically for that trigger. So if you can't name and list your significant triggers, you're going to have a hard time coming up with guardrails. Uh, So it's almost like taking one step back and first saying, well, here's all the areas and locations and physical senses and emotions that create problems for me. Now you're aware of your triggers, then simply ask, well, what's the best way to create health around these issues? And now you're getting into creating guardrails. So, so the, the, Nick, that's a great, uh, that's great input. There are some really specific beginning points, though. Uh, the 12 step folks uh, would tell you that the majority of relapses that take place are based on resentment. So you have to ask yourself, am I carrying resentment now? You know, that would be added to my list of, uh, of triggers. But they also use an acronym called HALT, 
hangry, uh, hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. I've been hangry before. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm hangry right now. I don't know what you guys <laughs> so, so those are great beginning points for you to become aware. But if you are are married or you have close friends, ask them what they've seen in you that seems to be a trigger to take you places that you really don't want to go. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we've talked about a little bit right now, we're just talking about the idea of including other people in that process of creating guardrails. So who specifically should we include when we're creating guardrails? It should be the most important people that God has placed into your life. Uh, If you have a close relationship with a pastor, he would be a resource for you. Certainly, if you, if your spouse is interested in your healing, she, he or she will have contributions to what they see. Mm-hmm. But because we all have blind spots, we we really don't know ourselves that well. We can't see always see what's going on, and, and so asking them if you have accountability group, uh, family members, close friends, all of them can contribute to this because. Remember, vulnerability, our culture perceives as a weakness, but it is actually a strength. You know, a vulnerability requires you to be in a place of uncertainty where uh, you are required to risk. And when you risk, there's emotional exposure, which is a nice way of saying that I feel the, the, the fear and the anxiety in the mm-hmm. moment. But, but that is also the same things that are required for an act of courage or an act of faith. Mm. They all three require the very same circumstances. So for you to be willing to turn to your family and friends, the significant people of your life, and say, you know, I'm trying to work on growing a, a greater self-awareness. What do you see that seems to trigger me when, when you see unhealthy behaviors in me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it occurs to me as we talk about including other people that it really helps us go against the very thing that's the root of addiction because at the root of addictions is pride and arrogance. That mm-hmm. sense, I can do it by myself. Yeah. I can do it alone. I'm going to fix this. I don't need you. And so involving other people is a step into humility, that vulnerability you're yeah. talking about, Harry, to just say, I can't fix it alone. I want your help. I'm inviting your help. And the humility itself is part of the change. And then actually receiving people's input and listening to it um, is creating that atmosphere for health because now I'm moving out of isolation. I'm moving out of arrogance into vulnerability, into community, and all the things that can be created. So for my, I guess just that encouragement as someone's listening and they're like, man, I do not want to talk to other people about these things. I just want to fix this by myself you're actually in danger of perpetuating the issues that are causing the problem. Mm-hmm. So you've got to break through and involve others in the process. The, the three distinctive uh, traits of an addictive personality is isolation, because you, you avoid intimacy because intimacy requires vulnerability. Yeah. Or number two is uh, passivity or passive aggressiveness. You're tired of failing, so you pass the baton. That to, one's my to, favorite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, yeah, you pass it to other other sure. other people, and and if you're passive aggressive, you'll let someone else make the decision. Then you'll be critical of their decisions. Right. And then the third is uh, I don't know why it's always last procrastination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and so right. th- so when I go through that with with my 
clients in the counseling office, uh, I, I'm especially getting the spouse nodding their head. <laughs> yeah. All three of these tend to apply to, to, to us in that. And yeah. so in isolation, this is why isolation is number one. You cannot get healed in isolation. Correct. Yes. Your body even yes. knows the difference between you being in community and you're being in isolation. And you try to fix yourself in the cave mm-hmm. and you come out and now you're among people. You're, you, you revert to how you have always coped when you are surrounded by people. And you'll turn back to the old addictive behaviors. Here's my guess. When God said that it's not good for man to be alone, he didn't mean that everybody needs to get married. He knew that in his triune nature, relationship is important and is essential to living a life that's godly, living a life that's healthy. And so when I look at Genesis and I hear that, that's what I hear. I hear you have to be in community. So Harry, that's, those three things are awesome. It's it, there's another side to that to that story too because I think this is and I agree with you completely, Trevor. Because this Thank is you. this is the story of David and Jonathan. Mm-hmm. He was closer than a bro- Jonathan was closer to a brother with with David, you know, and and that meant they had their even in the midst of his father, the king. He had David's back. Mm-hmm. He was protecting him. And, and in our groups, for both the men and the women, when we're truly sharing our stories with each other, there, is a, there are bridges to intimacy that begin to take place. And, and now I have men who have been out of counseling for several years, and they may occasionally touch base with me. But they are on the ongoing mm-hmm. in touch with the men who they walk through healing with. Yeah. They they are they are lifetime. They're they're connected in a lifetime to one another. Yeah, it's it cool. may be just only one or two guys in the group, but there'll be somebody who will be more than a brother to you in this midst in the midst of this. All right, friends. Sometimes when we start this journey, uh, we're really motivated to change. So we're all about boundaries and guardrails and maybe almost in an unhealthy way. Like I'm just going to create such high walls that I can never act out again. But we know that change is long-term, that we want lasting freedom that involves brain change and a change in how we do life. Mm -hmm. So Harry, along those lines, how can we ensure that guardrails will continue working for us long-term and not just be one more attempt at a quick fix? Well, first of all, uh, when we look at guardrails uh, in, in the state where you live, uh, each road has different guardrails. In 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 the, I'm not a big fan of uh, King James, but but I love King James. You in, sinner, you. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yeah. I confess. Uh, 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 in King James in Genesis, uh, there's something I really like, and that is that there never is a reference to the journey of Abraham. It is the journeys of Abraham. And so we have to continually evaluate our guardrails. There are guardrails that probably right now don't need to be used, but there are some new guardrails that we need to have in place based on where we are in life. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so we have to evaluate, is this guardrail really benefiting me right now? Is there something I need to replace it with? Is there new situations or circumstances where I have to have uh, new forms of protection? You're maybe in a new job or, or the job you're in has changed. Now, all of a sudden, you are finding yourself um, 
in a situation where you're being triggered by a coworker, mm-hmm. you need to have guardrails related to the real life situations you find yourself. And so yeah. you have to be thinking, what do I need to do in this circumstance mm-hmm. to, to, to have protection in place? And, and I have to have a clear idea with this new situation, what are the coping behaviors that are going to help me get back to the lifestyle I want to be leading? And it, and it always will come back to what values do I really want to live by? Mm-hmm. And by that, I'm not talking about relationships only. I'm talking about when no one else is around, what are the values that I want to embrace so that whether people are seeing me or not, I'm living out my values. I don't have to wonder who saw me do what because I'm living the same values in private as Mm -hmm. I am in public. Well, it makes me think about what Jesus said, how, you know, um, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And there's a sense of that, like the, the guardrails were, were there to help you. You're not there for the purpose of the guardrails. Like, yes. So it's not like set it and forget it and never change it again. These are, um, in, in a sense, living, breathing things that adapt mm-hmm. with us. And as our life changes, and I love how you put that, Harry, as our circumstances change, new jobs, new scenarios, we're in a new level of freedom, there may be things that need to adjust. And I think if we're aware that a life without guardrails is never wise, but the guardrails may look and feel different depending on what road I am on, that's just, that's such great advice. There's a pastor friend of mine that, that, uh, uh, I, I love and enjoy his name is Wayne Cadero. He pastors a large church on uh, 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 Oahu, and lucky guy. Yeah, yes he yeah. is. Yes he is. Uh, uh, but he likes to ride a tractor in Vanita. Yeah, here wow. in Oregon. But but <laughs> but uh, he, he talked about us being fifty-five gallon drum barrels. So if you would imagine a drum barrel with a funnel on it and a spigot down towards the bottom. Uh, I have discovered that that when I emotionally run dry is when I one of the ways I end up moving towards relapse. So so I have to make sure that in my healthy behaviors I'm doing behaviors that emotionally fill me up. I have to build that into my schedule. Nick earlier talked about uh, um, checking in on the baseball scores uh, because for Nick that is a little charge of something pleasurable to him that 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 depends on how the twins are playing though let's be honest yeah the twins we got to talk about yeah that's the that's the next the next episode we'll talk about the twins and the al central but 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 we have to we have to create behaviors in in these healthy behaviors we have to look at what fills you up Mm -hmm. and, and what drains you because there are behaviors that we're required to do that drain us. But we have to build into our lifestyle uh, uh, those, those behaviors that um, uh, will fill you up. So one Thursday afternoon, Ted came to me and gave me a list of things that he needed to have done on Tuesday. And I had a full load of counseling along with that. And I'm, and I'm feeling overwhelmed with this. And, and, and that evening, I'm driving somewhere with my wife. And I get a phone call from my buddy who says, Hey, Harry, I've got a ticket for you on the 40-yard line, row 15 at Austin Stadium for the Saturday's game. Would you like to come? Uh, and for those of you who don't know, that means the University of Oregon. Yeah. So, so, uh, so it, and, and so I immediately thanked him and hung up, and, and Debbie turned to me and says, Are you crazy? 
Now, I don't know if she just wanted me out of the house or not, but <laughs> but she said, you are so you are so overwhelmed right now. You need to be emotionally filled mm-hmm. so that you have the energy to do this these difficult tasks that you have before you. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I called my friend up and went to the game. And amazingly enough, I had everything done on Tuesday as scheduled. And I did it with a lot of energy yeah. because I did something that filled me up. Yeah. So for those of you who are not sports fans, not everything related to sports fills you up. But it's you're finding things within your values that emotionally uh, uh, charge you up so that you you can bring vitality and energy mm-hmm. into your life, in your relationship with your family members, and be a good co-worker and a good employee at work. So as you guys are talking, though, I'm really, I'm hearing that guardrails are not only to help protect us, but they're also to help uh, create health. Yes. So it's, it's both ends really from both perspectives. And, and so in that, in that whole idea, will a guardrail be there forever? Um, you know, is, is how do you, I guess, how do you know when a guardrail maybe has become um, unhealthy or potentially uh, needs to change? So, I mean, and I'm thinking of it both from, you know, protecting me from things that I know will hurt me and other people, but then also keeping me in health. If Is it possible for those things to change? Absolutely. So, uh, so uh, all of us uh, have experienced, um, everyone has been around a baby. So what happens in a, in a home that has steps and you have a small child? You have a fence up on uh, on the stairs so that child's not going to take a tumble down the stairs. I currently have one of those in my house. Yes, yeah, right it, now. It, it, yes, yeah. And that what isn't for it's you, a, Trevor? It's a wonderful thing. I'll yeah, tell it, you that right now. Yeah, yes, yes, it is. Uh, and, but 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 there's going to be a day when your child's going to outgrow that, mm-hmm. and, and the, they don't no longer be in place. Well, as you and your accountability team look at your guardrails. You can determine based on your experiences what guardrails need to be in place and mm-hmm. maybe what needs to be removed in the, in those guardrails because it's no longer a temptation for you. Yeah, you know, as you're saying that too, I'm thinking it's it's not just and this. Again, I'm just going to stress the importance of having other people involved in the creating of guardrails because when you get to that point, you can see how that person responds if you want to change it or. Uh, you know, let's say there's, cause for me, a, a guardrail is just not being on Twitter. I just, I always end up at places I don't want to be. And so I've taken it off of every device. Um, and I, you know, I have guardrails in place where I can manage it from work where it's in public places. And I, you know, there's all the accountability in the world set up. Um, you know, there are times where I, I want to go back to that, but I've had friends over the years who have said, uh, why is, why are you on Twitter? I saw you, you know, send a tweet last night, what's going on. And if I include them, then they can help me. And so if they respond negatively, I can be like, okay, you're right. I'm sorry. I talked myself into getting back into it. And at that point, I know it's too soon or is maybe something that will never change for me if other people are able to respond. Well, and having other people involved is so key. And you've heard me say this, that one of the dangers we have, um, whether we're just coming out of addiction or maybe even a ways down the road, is we tend to view ourselves as more ready than we are, that, that we're ready for change. Like, hey, man, I feel great. I'm doing great. And if we become the barometer of change, and you said it earlier, Trevor, if it's up to me, I change things too soon when I shouldn't be. (laughs) And so other people kind of become that grounding, stabilizing force that really continue our self-awareness. And if a spouse or close friend says, boy, I 
I think that may be a little arrogant on your part to get rid of that right now. Then we need to be entirely open to that because they're doing it out of love. They see things and they want us to be healthy. And so, as I've said, you know, you give the keys of change to someone else so that you can't just change it by yourself. And, and knowing that that person, they don't view their role as a killjoy. Like they're trying to give you joy. They're trying to give you health. And so when you trust those certain people, knowing that the perspective they're coming from is not self-serving, that is going to be all about trying to help you thrive. So this is where we bring in one of the dangers that's going to take us down a side road that we really don't want to go on. We need to have not just accountability folks who are um, love us and are committed to us, because if they don't understand the nature of addiction, we can manipulate them to, mm. to do what we want them to do because they don't understand addiction. So when you, and we don't want people to be in a pure desire group for the rest of their life. What we want is to equip them of what it's like to work in community and they have to build a community mm-hmm. outside of pure desire for when they've completed the counseling mm-hmm. or believe God has leading them away from the groups. We want them to not go into isolation because when I first started to lead pure desire groups, we I ended up overseeing 28 groups at, at East Hill. And when I was involved with that, I saw right away, all started to have these people who had been sober for uh, a number of years. And they were coming to me saying, hey, life has changed. My, my uh, kids, my wife and I are now chauffeurs for the kids, taking them here and there and everywhere. And I think it's time for me to, to walk away from group. And it was almost like clockwork. Four to six months after they left the group, they went right back into isolation mm. and ended up in relapse. Mm-hmm. And they came back to me with the, their tail between their legs. And so what we need to do is make sure, don't, deception begins with you deceiving yourself. Make sure you have people you're accountable to who, number one, they love and care about you. And number two, that they uh, have an understanding of the addictive mindset. They know your story. Yes. Yeah. And, and they and they understand the nature of how addiction works, uh, so they can challenge you when they find you isolating. They can they can challenge you when you, as you described in your story, Trevor, going back to Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, all of those things are taking place. So you want to have people who have the the knowledge and the and the love and caring for you to be able to speak into your life because nick you mentioned earlier humility well humil part of a major part of humility and wisdom is to be teachable mm-hmm. but if you want life on your terms you're going to end up going you're going to run right through the guardrails you're going to trip all the trip wires and you're going to head down a path and you're going to end up uh, uh, having a crash and burn that you said you didn't want, but you got there because you chose to trust yourself instead of God and and the significant people mm-hmm. that you have surrounded yourself with. Well, this is this is good stuff. I'm over here taking notes, you know, writing things to myself. <laughs> like I'm going to add that and talk about that. Uh, so, Harry, it's been awesome to have you here. We want to wrap up the way that we always do uh, on these podcasts, and that's to ask, what's some uh, final encouragement that you would give listeners uh, along the lines of the guardrails in their life? Uh, uh, the guardrails and the tripwires are both important for you. Uh, the tripwires tell you that something's wrong. That's why I call it a rumble strip. Uh, my wife tells me sometimes I drive by Braille. 
but 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 uh, the reality is that these guardrails are are there to help you live out a life based on the values that are important to you they're there to help you enrich your life not hold you back and so it, it it for those of you who struggle with avoidance it is you discovering these are the i would suggest you finding a list uh, of of values and saying what are the 10 most important values that i want in my life and begin the process of learning to make decisions based on what your values are instead of what you were emotionally being driven to. Mm-hmm. That would be a good starting point. But this is a journey that's well worthwhile and will enrich your life. Uh, as Paul tells us in Ephesians 3, God's going to give to you exceedingly abundantly above what you can ask and even think. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my last thing, my final encouragement really is to do whatever it takes, regardless of how other people respond. Yes. Um and I, I am speaking directly from my experience. There are things that I, you know, the Twitter example I give is something that honestly, there are times where I feel ashamed about the fact that there are people out there who can do Twitter and be on there consistently and enjoy what it has to offer and, and live healthy. Um, and I, that it's difficult for me, but I have got to the point where I know that if I don't do it, I'm going to end up in a place I never wanted to be. And I keep continually, every time I go back to it, I find myself there. And so in that, you know, you guys have talked about humility. That's probably the biggest thing is just willing to, am I more invested in my health or am I more invested in how I look to other people? Because I think that if your, your answer to that question is I want to be healthy, then you will do what it, what it takes. So my uh, my encouragement really is just be courageous enough to do what it takes, even if it makes you look foolish or stupid or um, seem like you're a pervert or can't control yourself. Do whatever it takes to be healthy. Yeah, that's good. And I'd say my final encouragement is to look at the guardrails in your life as opportunities, because sometimes they can feel like such negatives. Oh, I can't do this. I don't do that. I say no to this. Uh, but instead, what's the opportunity that's created instead? So from one of my examples where I said I'm not on screens or devices when others are in bed, that can be seen as a negative or an opportunity, an opportunity to be in God's word more, to read good books. And I've taken advantage of that opportunity a lot more because now I've, I've eliminated something that's not fulfill, uh, that's not filling my life. So in every one of these guardrails, I think we can just see it as something I don't get to do or some freedom that was taken away. But instead, look at the positives. Look at the opportunity to grow um, mentally, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, physically, and, and allow these things to be a part of building your health and your sobriety rather than seeing them just as like fences you can't go through. Because I think that mindset makes a big difference. So this, this episode was awesome. I feel like we could just talk and talk and talk. Um, but for the sake of you, the listener, we will stop now. Um, but just know that creating guardrails is one of those things that really does make sense when you're thinking about it, about getting free from sexual addiction, the, the importance of knowing your boundaries and staying self-aware in a practical way. It makes sense that it's easy to gain traction that way or begin gaining that traction in your sobriety. But honestly... Guardrails can be something that we carry lots of shame about. It's something we overlook and tend to minimize or moralize our way around it. And so just know that it, like Harry is, is really hammered home, that humility is such an important part to creating your guardrails. So the reality really of this addiction is that uh, unless you do what it takes to get healthy, you're not going to get healthy. So 
uh, again, just the, I, and this is just my final, my final thought is really just do whatever it takes and, and ask this question. This is what you need to ask. Would you rather look normal and remain unhealthy or potentially be seen as extreme, but break free from this addiction? And it really all comes down to how you answer that question. So take some of the time to look at the three circles tool that we have in the show notes and start putting up healthy guardrails. So Harry, thanks so much. We really appreciate your time. I'm glad to be here. Thanks guys. And thank you for listening to the Pure Desire podcast. If you like what you're hearing and want to keep up with the podcast, please subscribe. You can also rate and review our podcast and let us know how we're doing. For more information, check out our website, puredesire.org. And you can follow us on social media at Pure Desire PDMI. Once again, that's at Pure Desire PDMI. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Pure Desire podcast. For more information, check out our website, www.puredesire.org. Check in each week for new content on the podcast, and we pray that it will help you find hope and freedom on your journey to purity.